Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. It's time for JT The Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Carr looking downfield. Devontae's wide open at the two. Grabs it. Touchdown, Raiders. The defender had fallen down, and Devontae Adams has his second touchdown grab of the half. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. Delayed hand up to Jacobs. Huge hole up the middle, 10. Cuts right side, 5. Touchdown, Jacobs. The hat trick in the end zone. His third rushing touchdown of the day. This is this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Good day today to talk Raiders football. Thanks for joining me on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, as we're brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They bought the Strat. The Strat's completely different now. You would know that if you've been there. Go check out the Strat during the holiday season for the food, the drinks, the entertainment, everything they have at the Strat. They also own Arizona Charlie's, too. Great place to watch sports. They have a vibrant active sports book and 64 taverns here. PT's fuels the monologue as I'm ready to open up the show. All right, here's what we got going today. Jason Horowitz, voice of the Silver and Black in 10 minutes. We'll talk to him about the game that happened in SoFi with the Rams, and we'll preview the Patriots coming up. Also, Paul Gutierrez, about an hour from there, one twenty. Paul Gutierrez will join us, the ESPN Insider. We'll get his preview on the Raiders, the availability of Waller and Renfro, and some of the bigger storylines coming into this game. Jeff Sherman, uh, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate here in town. He'll go through the odds, the moving odds, on this game and the playoffs, and who has a better chance to get in? The new Super Bowl odds out today. Who are you betting on the Super Bowl? Why don't you bet now? Why don't you get your Super Bowl bet in now instead of Super Bowl Sunday? We'll get into that with him. And also Omar Ruiz at the top of this hour, 1 o'clock. He's the NFL insider at NFL Network, knows the Raiders really well. It was nice he got back to me today. We have him on about two or three times a year. And then your phone calls at 702-365-9200 as it's Patriots week. And it's a very important week here. It's a huge week here. I am really excited. Earlier today I was at the Raider facility with Q Myers, and we produced. We didn't produce it. We hosted Raiders Roundtable. And we went through the whole game in L.A. with all the warts and all, and we previewed the Patriots. And I thought we had a really honest, spirited discussion. That'll be posted later today. And everybody was looking at me over there, a couple of the guys and gals behind the scenes, and said, JT, why are you in such a good mood today? You know, because on the radio, I, don't, I never sound like I'm in a good mood, right? But I'm in a good mood in life with my friends and family when you and I see you. I take the radio show very seriously. So I, I'm, I apologize that I don't spend an hour or two just talking about rainbows and flowers and traffic and little things like that. I talk sports. And usually sports are really intense. So I'm pretty intense on the radio. I apologize for that. But they said, why are you in such a good mood today? I said, because I can't wait for this game. I can't wait for this game. This is the game I had circled. I had circled. I'm a season ticket holder. I write a check just like you. They don't take it out of my pay. I write a check. 
And I put it on my a credit card because it's so big, I get rewards mileage. So I get rewards. Maybe my wife and I will go to Italy next year on the price of my Raider tickets. Seriously, I, I like going to the games. I'm a season ticket holder. And this was the game I got screwed out of because they flexed out of it. So I'm pretty upset about it. But I said, you know something? I got the Bolitnikov crab feed on Friday night. I got the Las Vegas Bowl Saturday. I go, I'm lucky to live in this town, man. Whenever I want to go to a Golden Knights game, the Golden Knights take care of me. Sit a little bit in the press box, have a cerveza when I'm out there at the end of the game. I mean, there's a lot to be thankful here in Vegas. It's a great place to be. Everybody wants to be here. Problem is, every day, Damon, everybody here has like a 24-hour rule. They either want to come here for 24 hours and get out of here because they lose their money and they can't handle it and they have to lie to their partners about where they were when we wink, wink, know where they were. Or people want to come in here for just three days because they're so tired when they leave because they stay up all night. We don't have clocks and casinos. We are a free country here in Vegas. We let people stay out after 1.15. We're in L.A. I was just in L.A. Everyone, sh- everyone shut down. One in the morning. Go to bed. Go to bed. Vegas, we want everybody to stay out all night. So I love being here. And I love this weekend because it's a Raider weekend. Uh, all the Raider dignitaries are in town for the Bolitnikov crab feed at the Paris Hotel. Hopefully, if you're going to that, I know the Black Hole has a really big party. Let me get that right. Cisco, the president, just told me the Wind City launch party featuring Anthony Jordan and GOKB. And that's the Black Hole After Dark at the Sahara Theater at 8 o'clock on December 17th. So a lot of Black Hole in town. That'll be a lot of fun. But the most important thing is the Patriots are here. And here's the way I look at this season. I don't think you could judge the Raiders' season on the Patriots game. But I sure am. I'm going to do it because here's the deal. I can't judge the Raiders' season on the collapses and the historic losses because if I judged them on that, every show would be negative. It'd be negative, and I'm not negative that way. When I talk to the coach every week, it's very positive when we sit down in the chair, but we've been talking about these horrific losses. And when I talk to the GM, and he comes on frequently, it's about, hey, give me the plan, what you want to do, what are you going to do next? But they all want to win this game. And this is a game that they have to win because they're going up against their mentors. My mentor, I have a few mentors in my life. Number one is my dad. My dad's my mentor. Whatever my dad did in life, I try to call. I'll never be my dad. My dad is so up much higher than me on the platform of life. I could never be my dad. Another mentor of mine is Fred Bolitnikoff. I talk to him every day. He's like a second dad to me. They'll never be, I only have one dad, but I talk to Freddie a lot. And he's a mentor to me. And then my boss, Andrew Ashwood, who helped my career, he passed away. I wrote a book about him called The Handoff. Very proud of that. And he was my mentor. He passed away. And then I have a couple of other people that I mentor. Guys who got in the radio business, wanted a head start. Hey, man, how do you do this? How do you sell? How do you get clients on the radio? And I mentored about six, seven guys that I try to check in with every week and see how they're doing. Well, I know that Bill Belichick mentored Josh McDaniels. I know that to be true. And he put Josh McDaniels on the map, which is a tremendous map when it comes to the history of football. No matter what happens with Josh McDaniels in Vegas, he will go down in history as the only play caller that ever won six Super Bowls. That's it. That's all you need to do. Now the rest is gravy. If you're a head coach and you win one Super Bowl and you got six as a coordinator, that's a damn good career. And that's what Josh McDaniels wants to do. He came here. He wants to win. You know he wants to win. You're pissed off that he's not winning enough. But that's where we're at. So his life is already really complete 
in regards to a legacy in football because if he opens a safe or goes to the bank to the safe deposit box, he's got six Super Bowl rings. That means he's had six Super Bowl parties. He's won, what, seven or eight AFC championship games because I lost two Super Bowls to Eli. So his life as a coach cannot be surpassed other than by head coaches that have won Super Bowls, and he hasn't done that yet. But I know Belichick's his mentor. I don't even have to ask him that. And I know Dave Ziegler, who worked at some other stops along the way, had tremendous success, as he talked about on this show, winning Super Bowl. So these are the ramifications of this game. Either you beat your mentor and you go into the offseason and go, look, we beat the Patriots and we helped knock him out of the playoffs, or you lose to your mentor and you say, you know something, all that work we put in this year, all the work we put in this year, we couldn't beat the Patriots. And we were better than the Patriots coming into the season. Man, I'll die on that hill. I was there for those dual practices. I was there. This team was much better than the Patriots in the preseason. Patriots suffered a lot of injuries. Raiders have a lot of injuries. But for me, this game is so important to where the franchise is going. It's not life or death. Okay, we know what happened this year. Hopefully it's going to get a lot better next year. There's not going to be these heartbreaking games. Right? They can't be. You can't have four losses like this. You have four losses like this over 30 years. You don't have them all in one season. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. And the Raiders have an opportunity next year to clean up the roster, have a pretty good draft pick, have money to spend in free agency, make some big, bold decisions, and they start building the team that they want. Okay, there's no more players on the team next year that I could sit down in front of Dave Ziegler and go, Dave, why is this guy here? You had him last year. He wasn't very good. Why'd you bring him back? I don't think any of that's going to happen. I'm guessing. I don't know it to be true. But I believe that Dave Ziegler had so many players that he had to keep. He had to keep because he needed to field the football team. He needed to have enough players to play games and have a practice squad. He brought in some players. Some have worked. Some haven't worked. And then he's going to have an entire offseason with a new scouting department, his grading system, his vision for what it's going to take to build the team like they had with the Patriots. And then we're going to say, hey, man, hopefully, hopefully there's no COVID. Hopefully he can go out there and get things done. So the reason why I believe this is such an important game is it's a look in the mirror game. If you can't beat your mentor, if you can't beat the Patriots, okay, now we know. And then you can sit down and go, why? Did you have the right quarterback? Did you have the right offensive lineman on the right tackle? Who'd you have? Who's not going to be here next year because you went up against your mentor, the person you value the most in your football life, and you couldn't beat him. And you came here to beat him for Mark Davis. So do I need to add anything more than the importance of this game? Whenever in life you get to meet your mentor again, I'm going to meet mine in the afterlife, or compete against your mentor, there's nothing more important than that. You want to prove to your mentor that you deserve to be in his space. Well, this is the moment. Do we deserve to be in the space of Bill Belichick in Vegas and go win a big game and knock them out of the playoffs or start the knockout round of them in the playoffs? I welcome in Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Silver and Black. And good to talk to you, my friend. That's how big I think it is. I think it's a mentorship game. I think it's a do-or-die game. I think you want to impress the Patriots and beat them because it feels like a must-win more than any game this year. How do you see it? Well, I I mean, from a playoff standpoint, it is a must-win, right? I I know a lot of fans probably were feeling really good about the perspective of the playoffs. After the three-game winning streak, the Rams are coming up. They, they aren't playing well. 
16 to three. Yeah, it should be more, but they've given up 125 yards in three and a half quarters. All right, we're going to be six and seven, and like the playoffs are a real thing. Um, the reality is, JT, now that you can't lose anymore. So all of those things you just said for Josh McDaniels, and I know you had a chance to sit down and talk with him, and 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 you will again later this week, and and all those things are true. And, and, and all the aspects of how much time he spent in New England and the fact that he knows Matt Patricia very well and Matt Patricia's calling the offensive plays and all of that. Um, but from the perspective of this year and this year alone, if there is any chance of this being a salvage season and still sneaking into the playoffs, they can't lose anymore. Mm-hmm. So add that to what you talked about. Absolutely. Let's recap the Rams game. I walked up behind you in that final drive. We have to? Uh, yes, we have to. I did it today on Raiders Roundtable, and uh, I, I think it's exercising demons, actually, so it's going to help you on the broadcast because we're going to get out of your system completely before this weekend. The punt. Pick it up from the punt by A.J. Cole, which initially I was behind you. I didn't think it was a great kick. I thought it was going to go out of bounds early. It looked a little short to me, and then all of a sudden it rolls to the two-yard line. They're celebrating like they won the AFC West, and everybody's you know bouncing around there. Looked pretty good for the Raiders at that point. Yeah. So a minute 30. 98 yards to go, um, and and no timeouts. With a quarterback that, again, had just gotten there two days ago but was starting to find a little bit of a rhythm. The Rams had just gone on a 17-play, 75-yard, nine-minute drive to score. And and I said to Lincoln when, when, we, with the, when Sean McVay called that timeout, right before the two-minute warning, I believe it was, um, when Sean McVay called that timeout, they were looking at the third down, and I said, you know, they, the defense was just, as well as the defense has played today, they were just on the field for nine minutes in a 17-play drive. You can't go three and out. This is the chance to win the ball game. And I had asked, would you think about fourth and inches? Because of that very same thing. He's like, no, 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 of course not. You've got to make them go the length of the field. Which, again, I, I get that and it makes sense. And in hindsight to all of this, uh, JT, none of this happens if the Raiders don't make silly penalties. Mm-hmm. The, the, the offsides in the neutral zone on a punt. The, the Jerry Tillery personal foul on a sack. None of that happens. Um, and we'd be talking about a six and seven ball club instead of a five and eight ball club. So that that punt was amazing, but the penalty on Jerry Tillery was as as bad as it gets. And then the catch by Ben Skoranek for thirty two yards down the right seam is as good as it gets if you're an offensive player. That was a tough catch between Nate Hobbs and mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah. And then obviously there's the questions about why play that type of coverage with fifteen seconds left. Single high safety. Yeah, let's get to that play. Jason Horowitz joins us. So the obvious play, looking back on it, because it was a speed play, the clock was winding down, they had no timeouts, they were getting to the line of scrimmage, that Baker couldn't believe that there was press coverage on that play. So I thought the key was to line up Webb, who's inexperienced, line him up at the 7, 6, 5-yard line. Because if there's a play in front of him, he could make that tackle and his teammates could get to the ball. The one thing you can't do is leave space behind you in the end zone. 
So looking back at that, as you made that call play-by-play, when did you sense there were trouble in that route when you initially saw that coverage? The moment he threw the football. <laughs> um, the, the, remember, uh, and not, not everyone knows this, but we are calling the games at SoFi Stadium from that corner of the end. Yes, good point. So, so we are in, uh, if you're looking at it on TV, we are in the left end zone near corner, which is where our broadcast booth would be. And, and uh, the moment Baker took the shotgun snap, and you could see he's looking left, I, my eyes went to the front corner of the end zone when he released the football, and I saw that it was one-on-one coverage. Now, I couldn't, I couldn't tell exactly if it was Sam Webb or not right away, um, but, but neither. I, that doesn't matter. I mean, it's Van Jefferson. It's a one-on-one. It's a, good, it's a well-thrown ball into the end zone. You know, he's going to have to make a great play. And the reality on, on that play Sam Webb was not far. Like, that was not bad coverage. Um, obviously, it gives him a touchdown. But, like, he's right there. He's like an inch or two away from making a great play and breaking up that pass. The problem is, even if that happens, the Rams still have 10 seconds to run that play two more times. And, and so, to your point about making a play, making someone go 23 yards and get every inch and keeping someone in front of you, you know, I obviously you know what happened, and I'm maybe they'd like to do that again. I know Josh McDaniels hasn't publicly questioned it, all that stuff. Um, but man, that's that's one of those where how, how does that happen? Um, and I guess we'll we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jason Horowitz is our guest, play-by-play voice of the Raiders. Last thing before we preview the Patriots, I think the only thing in that press coverage debate is closed. That was a bad call, especially with an inexperienced player. If that's Lester Hayes, that's Mike Haynes all day long, those guys aren't walking through this door anytime soon. When it comes to Devontae not getting a touch, not catching a ball in the second half, that's inexcusable on every level. Here's why. I think Devontae and Derek are good enough to work through that with Josh McDaniels, period. And everybody seems to have this theory, well, can Derek check out of plays? Does he have to run Josh's exact playbook? Those are for them, too. They're not going to let us know about that. But I know that Derek has the right, he's a quarterback, to change a play, make eye contact, hand signal. And I'm, I, I cannot believe that Devontae and Derek couldn't figure out how to get open and get some rhythm going in the second half of that game. Looking back on it, what do you think the issue was? So a couple of things. And, and, and the play calling, you know, look, I, Lincoln was talking about this during the broadcast about, hey, you're better than the Rams. You know, it's okay to be a little bit conservative, but let's put this game away. Let's get Josh Jacobs off the field, get a touchdown, go up 17, go up 23 to 3, whatever it is, and end and the ball game, right? You can go mm-hmm. home. Josh is dealing with a hand. Josh uh, Jacobs is dealing with a hand injury. He left for a little bit, came back, had it taped up. Like all of those things, right? And I, 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 we called it, and I know we were calling run after run after run. But I, I didn't realize it until yesterday just how many times we called a run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't know if you looked at first half to second half in the last five days, JT. Derek Carr in the first half was 9 of 13 for 125 yards, I believe. And, yes, he had the interception where he's, uh, you know, he's trying to step up in the pocket and he trips up at the 10 and he throws the lofted pick there in his Jones. But other than that, everything else was fine. And, and, you know, they had missed opportunities, but it wasn't terrible. Um, before the Hail Mary, he only threw the ball six times in the second half. That's it? Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. 
And I think a lot of people would ask the same question. So to your question about Derek and Devontae, like, I, I like Derek Carr. I, 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 I think he's, he's done a very good job in his career and at different points of his career has made some really big plays. And some of his throws, you know, we credit Devontae Adams with all these unbelievable catches on the sidelines. It's like, how did he do that? How did he mm-hmm. do that? He did it again on, on Thursday. Uh, but a lot of those are because they're perfect throws. The 35-yarder down the far sideline was an absolute beautiful throw over his left shoulder. Uh, and, and, and so you wonder whether the play call is supposed to be or not. Like, at some point, just, just throw the ball on a, on a five-yard slant. Just get him in space because not many people are better in the NFL at making yards after the catch and, and creating some space than Devontae. And so um, – I think that's very frustrating for a lot of people to see, and you'd like to think that that would change. But you know what? Um, we've seen multiple games this year where that's been the same storyline afterwards. Hey, Devontae Adams has a big first half. What happened in the second? You've asked me that many times this year. Mm-hmm. Jason Horowitz joins us. I really thought that Kyler Murray was going to have a big game, third play of the game. He blows out his ACL as he picked yeah. up a big game. I thought he was really going to have a monster game because it's their last big primetime game. I thought he was going to show up and ball out, and he, he's done for the year into next year. New England was pretty impressive in the second half. That game was Arizona 13, New England 10 at the half, and New England shut him out and scored 17 unanswered there. And looking at that game and watching it again this morning, I was pretty impressed. Hunter Henry had 70 yards. Uh, they don't have Nelson Aguilar. Kendrick Bourne, they don't have Devontae. They don't have Devontae. They don't have Josh Jacobs. But what they do have on defense is Judon. And Matthew Judon had one and a half sacks, and he's got more than Max Crosby, and he is a beast. And they also have some of the best special teams. I don't watch every one of their games, but they've always been strong in special teams. Their coverage and their punt return, I think that's going to be the key to the game. Jason, is the opportunity to slow down Judon off the edge and don't make big mistakes in special teams like Cleveland Farrell jumping off sides on a punt or just do your job. Kick the ball out of the end zone. You got the best punter in the league. Kick it out of bounds. Don't let the Patriots and their special teams advantage play a role in this game. I think that's fair. Um, You know, you mentioned special teams. It's the reason Matthew Slater has been like a nine-time bowler. Great player. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not a guy that ever sees the field on offense. He's not a guy that ever sees the field on defense, and yet everyone knows who he is uh, for that specific thing. Um, you know, they've got, they have won a game this year. It was the Jets game. It was a 3-3 game, and they won a game on a punt return for a touchdown. What was it, 12 seconds left, mm-hmm. 10 seconds left, yeah. something like that? Against the Jets. Uh, where, Marcus Jones, where Marcus Jones, you know, ran it back 80-some yards for a touchdown, and that's how – that's how they won one of their seven games. And, and so there's no question that special teams could play a role. Um, you, you know, you would think that with Daniel Carlson and A.J. Cole, as good as they are, both pro bowlers from a year ago, um, that, that the Raiders, you'd feel, would have the advantage in special teams going into every single game. And, and I actually like how they've changed it up the last couple of weeks with having – Roderick Teamer uh, holding the ball, and they, they haven't been kicking it through the end zone. They've been angling it to one of the corners, trying to kick it around the three- to the five-yard line, and then they've been stopping the opposition almost every time uh, before they even get to the 20. They're trying to save five, seven yards that way, and for the most part, it's worked. Um, the punt return coverage better be good, though, on Sunday. I There's agree. no question about that. 
Uh, they ha- they have they struggled with that against Denver the first time. They have struggled with that a couple of times this year. For the most part, I think they've been good at it, uh, but they better be solid. And then you know you said the second half. You talked about Matthew mm-hmm. Judon. They sacked Colt McCoy six times last night. They did, and oh, I know right. that's a backup quarterback. Um, but but Raiders offensive line is banged up, right? Alex Barr is going to be out. Uh, I think Josh McDaniel said that it looks like it's going to be a multiple week thing. Uh, John Simpson, they released, they, they brought up Aronis Grasso, uh, to, to basically be a backup center. But I think mm. it's because you assume that you can kick Jermaine Illuminor inside. Yes. Um, so that means you're going to get a lot more with Sarah Munford at right tackle. Um, so the offensive line's going to have to do a really good job and Derek's going to have to be mobile. He's going to have to take off for first down. Jason Horowitz, last one. So I look at this game. I'm happy you mentioned Derek at the end. I mean, look, the clock is ticking on Derek in regards to this season, how he's going to finish the year. He's not going to have a Pro Bowl year. He's not. There's too many players ahead of him who are having better years. And he's lost to some quarterbacks, and he doesn't play defense that he should never lose to. And there's some other quarterbacks who are rated behind him that are now going better than him. So this is an important game for Derek at home in front of his family. Holiday season, knowing Josh McDaniels wants this game big. I think that we're going to have to see something out of Derek that we've been waiting for all year. I think it's going to have to be a body language game. I watch Baker Mayfield in front of me run up to the line of scrimmage after first downs in the first quarter when they were getting blown out. They pick up first down. He run up to the first down marker and start looking at the play, screaming to call it in and run another one. His body language was amazing. He's Baker Mayfield. He wanted that game. He won that game. I'm ready to put this game on Derek's back to have a game. Patriots defense is good. We just talked and talked yeah. about that pass rush. We know how good their secondary is coached. This is a game where Derek's got to make the tough throws. He's got to take some chances. Jason, I can't see a check down in this game. If it's third and 11, that can't be a six-yard pass. He's got to take the game over, see the field, hold on to the ball, extend the pocket, and attack. And when he's attacking and playing free and playing aggressive, I think he has a big game. I think they're the better team than New England. I'm optimistic Derek can have a big game. Do you see that in your prep, that he can attack them downfield? They are the better team. That's, I, I think that's been the most frustrating thing for Raider Nation everywhere is that, look, ultimately you are what your record says you are in five and eight and not near the playoffs yet. And, and, and in the top 10 of the NFL draft, I stupid for me to say they're the better team, but we have watched every single play of this team and we've watched how they've played and what they have on offense. They've got the best, they have right now the best wide receiver in football, the best running back in football, a offense, an offensive line that has been much better than anybody would have thought going into the year. Um, until you know, the, the, Derek, I know he was pressured. He mm. hasn't been sacked in two games. Till the last few weeks, there were hardly any turnovers. Now you're getting two a week. They are the better team. You, you've got Max Crosby, who is as good is the best in his position in the NFL, um, and yet they're five and eight. And so what I was curious about in looking at Derek is, like, what's happened when he's had really bad games the next week? Um, the Saints game was his worst QB rating since Christmas week, I believe, 2017. He came back. Do you remember the first half against the Jaguars? They were unbelievable. The second half was a different story. He's coming off his worst QB rating of his career. Mm-hmm. The Rams game is the worst QB rating of his career. They better come out and start fast. But, again, starting fast is only part of it. We've talked about it all year. 
can they put the full game together? And Josh McDaniels has talked about that all season long. Are you bringing a family member? Are you bringing a friend? Are you nah. are you doing anything for this good luck mojo? What's what's on tap for the no, travel? My, the last the last family member the last family member I brought she wrote me a note that said I'm sorry I'm the bad luck charm I'm sorry they <laughs> lost so no <laughs> this one is a solo trip. <laughs> happy Hanukkah, happy holidays! I can't wait to see you this weekend. Safe travels. See you, JT. Thanks, bud. That's Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. Good good conversation there. For anybody who doesn't think we don't have an honest conversation around here, I don't know what you're listening to. I mean, I, we're, not, we're not here with roses, petals, you know, and rainbows around here. We're trying to figure out what to do to win. I, I think the Raiders are going to come out and play. I, I don't predict games. I don't, I don't predict games. I just hope that the Raiders come out and play a great game. We're so due for a home game. You know, three of the final four games are at home. Damon, and you get a chance to go to the game. You're in for Bobby this week. I mean, I think people need to kind of understand that more on the show, what we're trying to do. We're paying for these tickets. We're going to games. We want to have fun. We don't want to go in pissed off, upset, angry in the parking lot. We want to go in optimistic, right, and have a good time and win the game. I'm very open to a great game here and a great performance by the Silver and Black. I couldn't agree with you more. The other After the Rams lost, I tweeted, I'm not telling anyone how to be a fan, but why is it so much negativity? I understand after a loss, but I don't see that equal amount of positivity after a win. Yeah, that's not going to happen around here. You're not going to get that from Raider Nation. Get used to it. You're new to this. Raider fans are great. They're diehards. They live and die with this team. That's another Argentina goal. That's a live Argentina goal. Alvarez, Argentina, three, Croatia, nil. This game is over. Lionel Messi is going to the World Cup final. That's the biggest story in sports. This game right now is bigger than 10 Super Bowls. No exaggeration. Bigger audience than 10 of our 140 million watching the Super Bowl. Argentina will take on the winner of France and Morocco. And everybody in Argentina is hoping for Morocco because France is the reigning champ. You just heard that live here on Raider Nation Radio. All right, open phone lines. There shouldn't be one. I had a guest to open up the first 20 minutes. Now I'm open till about 1245. Raider fans, your goal this week, your point to action is a good one. Worked on it all night. Who has the most pressure on them to win this game? Who, individual, whoever you want, has the most pressure to play in the game, win the game? Who? I only want one. One person. Who has the most pressure on them walking into Allegiant Stadium on Sunday to have a better performance, let alone a winning performance? That's not low-hanging fruit. That's a really good topic. Who's that person? That'll focus you. 702-365-9200. Hey, we're brought to you by Resorts World Friday. Got a great remote, noon to two at Redtail. If you go to Resorts World, go to the free parking, go to the back of the property, right across from the Great Eight Lounge, Wally's, unbelievable wine bar, right there is Redtail, right at the front of Zook, the newest and greatest nightclub in the world. I'll be on from noon to two. We'll have some guests. It's Remy Martin. It's Modelo, and it's Resorts World, Friday, noon to 2. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. All right, JT, back with you. Got some time here to talk to you if you want to get through. Who's got the most pressure on them as they walk into a legion? 702-365-9200. I think the choices are obvious. Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, 
look at it. Uh, who needs to have that game? I think Josh McDaniels has to call a great game against who? Bill Belichick and the defensive staff, his mentor. Matt Patricia is calling the plays. I, I'm not that impressed. We have Mac Jones sound. Uh, Mac Jones after the game last night. He talked to Lisa Salters. Mac Jones did a lot in the second half of the game. He was barking. He was yelling at Matt Patricia in the sidelines. I was pretty impressed with his play in the second half. We came here. We just wanted to win the game. That's all we cared about. And to do that, you got to execute on a play-by-play basis. And we did that pretty well. So shout-out to the defense. Had some great stops and special teams. So um, we're still working through it. But we came here to win, and, and we got the W. It was still about the quick game tonight. You attempted more screen att- uh, passes in a single game than you ever have in your career. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think uh, a play is a play, and they have a good defensive line, and we have a good offensive line. So we kind of attacked them that way, and um, at the end of the day, you got to have a game plan to win, and that was our game plan, and it worked. We see the frustration, the emotion, the sparks, and we think, uh-oh, something's wrong. But you say it's just competition, and that it actually can have a positive impact. How so? Yeah, I think um, at the end of the day, this is a – an emotional game and I think everybody feeds off emotion and at times we're, we're too flat and that's what I try to do is motivate my guys and they responded really well the defense everybody so shout out to everybody on our team for responding and we got to get to work we got to finish uh, get ready for next week against a good team yeah like you said your defense gave you a boost your rookies gave yeah. you a boost you are in the playoff picture how do you build on this effort tonight yeah I think the rookies did a great job stepping up and making plays and um, you know, we just got to focus on each day and starts with tomorrow getting recovered, and that's all we can control. All right, so that's a big deal. He just gave you a clue there. Most screens he's ever thrown because he said they played a good defensive line. Well, Raiders have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby and linebackers that aren't great in coverage. Did he just give you the game plan? Did he just give you the game plan talking to Lisa Salters for the Raiders? He threw the most screens he ever threw in his career, and it worked, and they won. This is a must-win for them for the playoffs. Why would you try something new? The Raiders don't have a strong defense. Why not run the screens? Keep throwing them. You just had success throwing screens, 24-35-235. He didn't throw a touchdown, and they put up 27 points. He didn't throw a touchdown in that game. They put up 27 points. I, th- I say get ready for the screen game, everybody. Uh, Raider 5-6-2. Thanks for starting us off. What's happening? Hey, good morning, JT. I, you know what? Uh, I think the person who has the most pressure, I'm just going to go ahead and say Derek Carr. Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, I, 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 I keep wanting to see, and I think uh, a lot of Raider Nation keep wanting to see the Derek Carr that we've seen, you know, different uh, sparks of, you know, put dropping a dime, you know, running for extra yards. We keep wanting to see that person, but we only keep seeing it in spurts, you know. We need he needs to needs to turn it up, and so I think he needs to have a big game. And uh, I thought that we were definitely going to see that the way he came out in the, the last game um, in that first uh, first quarter, mm-hmm. but somehow it died down. And it seems like I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, JT. It seems like when he he's uh, calling the play or you know whatever is going on, uh, it seems like he says, well. That's what the coach yawed up, so that's what I went with. Instead of what was best or a person that was open, because if mm-hmm. you look at the film, sometimes it looks like there's a person wide open and he just goes to you know, whoever the play is called. Well, we just had a guest on, and I appreciate the call. Thank you. Jason Horowitz just said that that was his lowest passer rating game. He only completed 11 passes for 137 yards. 
okay, this isn't math. This isn't rocket science. He did not have a good game. He had one of his worst games in a game that they had to win against Baker Mayfield, who had the playbook for 40, 41 hours, 37 hours. If that doesn't wake Derek up for this game, nothing will. So I think that Derek, again, I'm always encouraged going into every game that Derek will play well. I am not a Derek Carr basher. I cannot sit on this radio flagship and say he had a good game and to say he didn't have a poor game. I, I should be grabbed out of here in a straitjacket. He didn't play well. We all know he didn't play well. He's not having a Pro Bowl season. You can make excuses. He doesn't. I don't make excuses for him. I got the numbers right here in front of me. Derek was supposed to this year go from a top 11, 12 quarterback to a top 7 or 8 quarterback. He has not. He's gone backwards. You could talk about the system, the scheme, the complexities, the injuries. I think the key loss for Derek Carr this year is Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. They're so good. It's so easy to throw them the ball five yards. It's like the easiest thing to do is to throw the ball to Darren Waller seven yards when he's wide open. He hasn't played all year. It's easy to throw a quick slant head fake to Hunter Renfro over the defensive line for a nine-yard game. It's easy to do. Hunter Renfro's never available. So that's difficult for Derek. And Derek, imagine if Derek didn't have Devontae, where would we be? What happens if Ziegler doesn't swing and give up a first and second for Devontae? Where would we be? We wouldn't have Devontae, Renfro, Waller? <laughs> what would this look like? So Derek now has the opportunity to step up and play big in a big spot, to win for his teammates and coaches and win for himself. And again, I'm always positive that Derek's going to have a good game. I've never looked at Eric Allen on the pregame so and said, you know, I was down on the field. I watched Derek warm up. Man, he's, he's not looking good. The ball's sailing. He's going to be terrible today. I always think that Derek Carr is going to show up, A, win, throw for 300 yards, and throw for a minimum of two touchdowns. If he doesn't, then it's our job to evaluate why. And this year, there's just a lot, lot happening, man. Last year, it was Henry Ruggs and the accident, right? Last year, it was all this chaos. The emails, John Gruden's gone, Rich Passaccia comes in. And this year, Derek doesn't have Waller and Renfro. What more do you want from this guy? What more do you want from this guy? He doesn't have his coaches. His offensive coordinators come and go like a revolving door. Guys get kicked out of the league, and other guys can't come on the field and play. And what does he do? Head held high, goes out there, tries to get the team to win. Some games are better than others. This game against the Rams was a bad game, and I expect them to bounce back. We're brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Great place to be. Cassie Beach Club. Very nice. Great restaurants. Night and market. Man, if you love, if you love great food, night and market, you can go to One Steakhouse, find me at the bar with J-O-D, or slide on over to Olives and see my buddy Rudy at the bar. Or go to the Shag Room and hear live entertainment. It's all there at the new look Virgin Hotels. Jeff Sherman on Gambling Odds next. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas. The newest property on the Strip. JT back with you. Big, big game for Argentina. Up 3-0 on Croatia in the 86th minute. Excited to talk football. Let's get into NFL odds. We talked to Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. And, Jeff, this is the time of year I love having you on because of injuries, injuries, quarterback changes. Let's start with the 49ers and their Super Bowl odds and how they've changed since Jimmy G went down. But Brock Purdy looks like he's stable enough to maybe keep the ship going. How do you see it? 
Yeah, they got as high as 12 to 1 when they lost uh, Garoppolo. And uh, after Purdy's performance, uh, they're down to 7 to 1, so very respectable. And obviously, uh, he's showing what he can do on the field after last week, uh, taking care of the Buccaneers rather handily. Well, what's the difference now between Philadelphia and Dallas from your analytics here? Philadelphia's just crushing everybody. Jalen Hurts can run, he's making big throws outside the pocket. But Dallas just won a big game against Houston. They were supposed to win, they barely did. And I know there's a lot of money that backs the Cowboys along the way. Yeah, if you look at the Super Bowl odds, we have the Eagles at 9-2 to two and the Cowboys 7-1. to one. And the, the Eagles are playing in Dallas next week, and we just got our, our early lines up for that game. And the Cowboys are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And in this current environment, two-and-a-half points at home, that, that's about equal teams. So we have the Eagles slightly rated better than Dallas. All right, a couple of games I want to get to coming up this week, and we just saw what New England did against Arizona. There was no Kyler Murray. They're going to stay out west in Arizona before they come to Las Vegas and take on the Raiders. That line initially opened up Raiders minus two now, and it's flipped to New England minus one. Yeah, and we had that prior to last night's game. We had to pick them, and then after the performance we saw from New England last night, we adjusted a point. So now you have the Patriots, finally a small road favorite in this spot. Uh, do you think that Kansas City will pick up the hook to 14-and-a-half? What do you currently have them now? Is there a 14-point road favorite at Houston? Yeah, that's what we open, and we're sitting there, and there's not too much interest in that game at this point. I doubt you'll see it tick up that high. That's a, it's a thick number to be laying on the road, and Usually the Sharps will end up taking something like that, but I think 14 is a good number for two-way action. I'd be surprised if it gets higher than that. Uh, where's the money so far on a game that I think is really important here? Detroit and the Jets. Obviously both teams, Detroit, on the outside, but they're playing as good as everybody else, and the Jets desperate to get a win here. Yeah, we're seeing uh, money both ways on this game, too. And uh, we've had some movement because of Mike White's uncertainty for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially the Jets opened up a small favorite, one-and-a-half points. We went to pick. We took some Lions money, but then when uh, it came out yesterday that White looked like he's probable, we went back to pick him. So uh, right around pick, we've been getting both sides of this one. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. You know, for you, you have such a great team when you handicap weather with Buffalo. You look at Miami that needed heaters on the sideline at SoFi Stadium going into Buffalo. We can't predict the weather this far out here, but I saw this line open at 7.5 at one point. Where is it now here, and what are you looking at with the weather? This is a must-win game for Miami. they got to win two of their final four to get in. Yeah, most of the market is 7.5 on the Bills. Mm. We're sitting at minus 7, minus 120, taking a little bit of Miami money yeah. in a spot. The total, like you mentioned with the weather, it's supposed to be very poor weather on Saturday night. Total's 42. You definitely would not see a total like that under normal weather conditions. It would be much higher up near 50. I see you with Philadelphia minus 9 on the road against Chicago. Do you expect that number to move there? Philadelphia, a really tough team uh, on the road with the running game, as we mentioned. In Chicago, not much to play for. Yeah, if anything, I can see that one ticking up. nine, Going from 9, 9.5, I doubt it will hit 10. I think it might close around the 9.5 range uh, just because of public. They're going to be heavily involved with the Eagles and teasers, money line parlays and at the minus nine spot. Uh, Jeff Sherman's our guest. Tell us about the Vikings. They've had a couple of bizarre losses this year and then dominant wins here. Line opened up minus five and a half against Indy, and now down, as I could see it here with you guys, at minus four here. I thought that'd be a big number, a heavier favorite for Minnesota. Tell me about that one. Well, the Vikings are one of the Sharps teams that they love Mm. fading, and so we always get money against Minnesota from the Sharp players driving the number away from them, and you saw it last week where the Lions went off as a two-and-a-half-point road favorite against Minnesota when a lot of people question that one. 
here's another similar situation. Colts not looking very good, but the Vikings are only laying four points at home. It did open up higher. Sharps are still fading the Vikings. I noticed also with Tampa Bay, uh, Cincinnati's uh, minus three and a half. Tampa Bay catching three and a half, and the total is four and four in that game. What are you thinking in regards to Brady's performance against the 49ers, how bad they looked in a must-win back home situation as they're fighting off Carolina in the division? Well, that's just it. I mean, we opened this one, the Bengals minus three prior to last week, and that's a big move to go from three to three and a half, especially on the road in a spot like this. So, uh, you know, we factored the performance, what they look like against the 49ers and said, I don't think anyone's going to be betting Tampa at three. Let's go on the other side of that at three and a half at this point. On a Monday night total for the Rams in Green Bay with Baker Mayfield coming off that win and Aaron Rodgers, total dipped under 40, 39 and a half. Tell us about that. Yeah, the Packers have been an under-team all year, and then you get the Rams with all their injuries, not much offensive production. No one's really looking to bet those two teams over. So uh, we're trying to be aggressively low on that. And, you know, you're starting to see more totals in the in the 30s, less than 40 now. So uh, a lot, especially at this time of year with the weather. But um, we did take some sharp money on the Rams plus 7.5 today. So Packers minus 7, and I think that's just – you know, the Packers, a tough team to trust laying more than a touchdown. Wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman, I'm shocked to see the Pelicans in the NBA first in the Western Conference. What have their individual games been like this year in regards to covering here, and what are the odds for them to win the title as the one seed out West? Yeah, I've got them down to 12-1, to 1, and I've been uh, wow. aggressive with them. Uh, you know, I like that team a lot, especially the big question with New Orleans was their health, and Brandon Ingram's been going through issues lately. Zion Williamson, we know how much time he missed last year and he's prone to that. But this team healthy, the addition of C.J. McCollum last year, they've got a young, talented team, and they really pushed Phoenix in the playoffs last year. They recently won two home games against Phoenix, so they're right up there in the upper echelon and have to be respected. I love asking you this question when you tell me out of the blue if you're taking any big bets on the Lakers, any bets for anything, and let alone the Warriors now that are 14 and 13, and the Warriors would be the nine seed right now in the play-in series. Any big bets coming through the Westgate on either one of those teams? Well, Lakers, it's been subsided lately. Mm-hmm. Not too much. Even their, their play has improved. Their odds have gone down, but uh, we haven't seen too much on them. But the Warriors still command a lot. You know, We took a, a $2,000 wager on the Warriors at 7-1 for the title about a week ago, and any time I hit 7-1, we see warrior money show up. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting at six and a half to one right now and having to float that. But, you know, there's a lot of other teams that are approaching him. I mean, the Clippers, a nice win against the Celtics yesterday. So their odds went from 10 to nine to one this morning. Last one, golf odds is your Twitter. You do golf better than anyone. Masters and Tiger. He's playing with Charlie, his son. I love watching the Charlie videos. Love it. Uh, what about Tiger and the Masters? Any money coming in early? What's going on there? Yeah, this past week we took two thousand on Tiger at a hundred to one, Ooh. and that that Ooh. drove his odds down from a hundred down to the current sixty to one. So, no matter how well he's playing, no matter how poor he's playing, there's always Tiger interest out is there. Is that how it works, Jeff? One big bet could change that from a hundred to one to sixty. Just one big bet can change everything going forward. Could I, could I assume another big bet that comes in quickly here can move Tiger down to below fifty? Oh, absolutely, especially because of how public he is. So we mm-hmm. have to be reactive to those because. It adds up the liability rather quickly, and he's always one of our larger liabilities for the Masters. Look forward to seeing you. I might come by for the World Cup at the Westgate. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right. Thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Appreciate him coming on. How about that? Tiger Woods. So it's 100 to 1. Guy comes in, throws down a big bet. It goes to 60 to 1. You know the bets are going to keep coming. As Jeff said, he's public. The public wants to have a Tiger ticket.
just want to have a Tiger ticket as a memento. You'd start throwing in all those $20, $100 bets there. Tiger Woods and the Masters. I love watching his son, Charlie. When he has the mannerisms of his, of his dad, it's so cool. All right, that hour flew by pretty quick. When we come back, top of the hour, Omar Ruiz will join us, uh, one of the reporters from NFL Network. Really good on the Raiders. Really good on the Raiders. We'll preview Patriots and Raiders and go around the league. And the game is over. Argentina, 3-0. They shut out Croatia. They go to the final. That's going to be a great final because Lionel Messi's in it. Arguably the greatest player in the world and could finish off his career with the World Cup. That's a huge, monster global story.